It's time for Crack the Customer Code, the ultimate podcast to help you unlock the secrets to understanding and connecting with your customers. Ginny, I'd like you to list the ways I continue to wow as a podcast partner. You know, we learned today there are both positive and negative wows. (laughs) Oh, good one. I like that one. (laughs) Touche. Yeah, we talk about wow a lot uh, in customer experience, but I there's something about defining it in different ways that I think really gets people thinking. So I I like thinking about both the positive and the negative ways we can wow our customers because that, sometimes sometimes it's not really the wow you want. <laughs> well, the wow ch- tends to translate into peak, right? It's the peak emotion often if you create yeah. a wow moment. Uh, and our guest today, Sean Belding, uh, has done something very cool, and I, maybe not the first, but I really liked his approach, which was he's really tried to define what wow means, because mm-hmm. it does get thrown around a lot. It's like, love, love your customers. Okay, what's that actually mean in execution, on the front lines, in the C-suite? So Sean, in his new book, The Journey to Wow, has actually tried to uh, not just you know, frame wow, but really talk about how do you create it. And in this interview, he talks about what exactly it is. Mm -hmm. And the book is fun to read because it's not written like a textbook or a business book. It's written as a business parable. And so you get to know the characters and you read their story and you want to know what happens to them. So it really is a fun way to learn about these things. And it's just a fun read. So I, I really enjoyed it. I did as well. So let's hear a little bit about Sean and then we'll get right into the interview. All right. Sounds good. Tell us about Sean. All right. Sean Belding has been in the customer experience space for 27 years, and that's pretty amazing since he claims to only be 32 years old. (laughs) He is CEO of the Belding Group of Companies, an award-winning global customer experience consulting and customer service training company. He is a best-selling author of six books published internationally in 12 languages, including the just released The Journey to Wow. Welcome, Sean. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're great. How are you doing? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I, boy, if, if you ever hear me complain, just take a big stick and hit me with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would give you something to complain about, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, we're so happy you're on the show with us. So thank you for joining us today. And I, you know, I really enjoyed the book. I was really fascinated by how it was written. And your your latest book, Journey to Wow, it reads like a novel. It really does. And so you wrote it in this really fun way. It's kind of a fable of sorts. So my first question is really just why did you choose a parable format for the Journey to Wow? Well, it, it is. It's a, a really a, a departure from my other books, but I, I think it's probably, well, as both of you know, one of the customer experiences has got so many different components to it. And and one of the things that, you know, when, anytime you're in front of people, whether it's, you know, whether you're doing training or speaking, the one thing that people resonate the most with are stories. Those are the things that people take away and the things that people remember. And so many times, with we've all had customers we're all customers we all have these experiences and sometimes it's hard to sort of clinically break down the experience and have it being meaningful 
so when you could put it into a story format, and it was fun. This is the most fun I've ever had writing anything uh, because you're able to, to take real experiences that, that we've all had and put them into context of customer experience and then to sort of break it down into what works and what doesn't work and why it's good and why it's bad. Um, and I, I find that far too many far too many people in business get a little bit clinical uh, about customer experience and forget that really it is a journey and it is about the customer's about emotions. So that's that, that's why I chose the uh, the format. Plus it was part of it right. Yeah, I bet. I bet it was. <laughs> Were you inspired by any other business books that did that? I'm, you know, I'm sitting here looking up at my shelf. I've actually got, uh, I don't know if you know the book, uh, Eliyahu Goldratt's The Goal, which is a very famous Mm-hmm. book about I, systems improvement and the theory of constraints, but it's still a parable style. So do, did you have any business books that inspired you? Well, it's funny you mentioned the goal. The ones that inspire, I, I've always loved uh, Ken Blanchard's books, uh, all of his, a, as well as uh, Spencer Johnson's books, like all of you know, Gung Ho. And the first one in my memory, of course, was uh, The One Minute Manager. And, uh, you know, I just found that those, I could just dive into them and, and, and get a lot out. But it's funny you mentioned the goal because I sent the, the draft, one of the very first draft manuscripts to uh, one of my clients, somebody who I just, I love and I have a lot of respect for and asked her just for her thoughts. And I basically what she told me was whether or not I was going to take the whole thing and dump it in the trash can. Uh, and, <laughs> wow. and she came back and she said, wow, this just reminds me of, of the goal, <laughs> and, <laughs> which I hadn't read at the time. And it was, then I read it and I realized that that was a wonderful piece of praise. But, uh, but no, my, my inspiration came from really Ken Blanchard uh, was, and, and Spencer Johnson were just, I, I just found the way they were able to present information was, was so refreshing uh, and so delightful. That's that's kind of what inspired it. Oh, I love that. That's uh, it's uh, really it's just such a neat approach, and it's, it's got it had to be rewarding to actually do it. Well, let's talk about the central concept or the central word, which is wow. Uh, you know, I think creating wows can feel overwhelming for leaders. Understanding what their place is, how do you scale them? So. What do you recommend from really an experience standpoint for organizations as far as approaching this idea of wow? Well, there are two things really that everybody needs to keep in mind. The first one is is how how we choose to define wow, and it's one of the one of the reasons that companies struggle with it. Um, a lot of times, for example, when we meet with our clients or prospective clients, and and we say, hey, what are you hoping to achieve? They'll respond with, well, we want our people to deliver wow customer service, well, which is great. But then we'll say, okay, that, that's, that's wonderful. What does that look like? <laughs> and, and they'll say, well, you know, the, and, and they just struggle to define it. The thing is, we all recognize what wow experience is when we see one. When we experience it, we know what it is. But no one's really taking the time to define wow in any substantive way. So this creates a problem, right? It's, it's like the rule of the sharpshooter. You can't hit what you don't aim for. Um, you need a target. So once you have a target, it gets a lot easier. So that's, that's sort of that, that first thing. A couple of years ago, we released a, a study that, that had taken three years to complete, and it's called the, the Science of Wow. And we did it for that exact reason. We def- in that, we defined a wow experience as 
a customer experience that was sort of top of mind. It was an experience that people would think of first in a discussion with their friends or family. Uh, it was one that they thought would be interesting to others. And it's the kind of thing that goes viral. We've all seen the viral horrible things and the viral really good customer experiences. So we, what we wanted to do is that's how we defined it. And then we said, now that we've defined it, how can we, how can we take that information and put it into context that's useful for companies? Uh, so we looked at both positive wow and negative wow. Like negative wow, there are negative wows, right? That's that face palm yeah. sort of, oh, wow, I can't believe you just did that. Um, <laughs> Which happens way too it much. It really does. <laughs> Um, but what was interesting about it, and this sort of in answer your question about you know, once we can get a focus, once a company can get a focus, then it becomes easier for them to implement things to start to create it. The first thing we we discovered was that wow is about people. So 92% of the time when people were describing wow experiences, they described it as an interaction with a person. So yes, processes are really important and our policies are important and business practices are important, but the things we talk about, like customers talk about, that's an interaction with a person. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was, so for, that just tells you customer service, that tells us is the root of that wow experience. Uh, now in that, and here's where the, the interesting and the useful information came was that we all found out that the number one common element in wow experiences had to do with ownership when an employee or a company took ownership over a, a situation that there's a sense of caring that people believed in them um, but i think one of the things that surprised us a little bit and and it was kind of exciting i think for organizations that are trying to capture this is that 72 percent a little over 72 percent of wow experiences when people share them and, and they categorize them they're categorized as something that was an initially a negative situation being turned into a positive one so this goes to the ownership issue as well and it gives us a more clear focus to fo a clear target to focus on but so that and that's that's sort of that first thing is that if we want to achieve wow experiences, first we have to define it and then identify those elements. And so what, what I think most companies can look at is, number one, make sure that, that the people, that the company takes ownership over any customer situation, that it's not passed off, that, that that customer gets the sense that you care about them. And then equally important, if not more important, is that when things go wrong, don't look at this as a bad thing. Recognize that this is an opportunity, if you do it right, to create that, that wow experience if you can turn it around. I, I love that example because, um, or that point rather, because one of the things I heard which really stuck with me a few years ago was that they actually did a study on doctors and found that if they said they were sorry, um, malpractice suits actually went down. And it kind of goes to what you're talking about where it's about that interaction it's a human interaction that can make a difference when things don't go right. Um, and so I think it's something that we often overlook when we're talking about the wow experiences and things like that. We overlook that idea of overcoming some of the challenges just through these really personal, emotional, human experiences and interactions that we have with one another. 
So I think that's a great point that you bring well, up. Well, yeah, Jeannie, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head with wow. And there's a, uh, and forgive me because I don't remember it, but it was just released, I think, days ago about the importance of saying I'm sorry, that mm -hmm. that, <laughs> that people people don't do it, and systemically, institutionally, uh, we're we're sort of trained not to say I'm sorry because as soon as you do, then there's the whole liability thing, and you know all kinds mm -hmm. of issues. Uh, I live uh, I live in Canada. I grew up in Houston, in New York, but living in Canada now. And uh, a while back, there was three or four years ago, uh, a company called Maple Leaf Foods, one of the largest uh, manufacturers of processed you know meats and that sort of thing, um, had a listeria issue, and there were some deaths and some illnesses. And what was really interesting when you read what the CEO had to write, he said the very first thing that we did was we chose not to listen to the lawyers. Um, <laughs> and their yes. first response was, to, was basically to own it. They said, you know what, this happened, and I cannot tell you how incredibly sorry we are, and this shouldn't. And, and, what, and because of that, they took this horrible situation and were able to rebound from it very quickly because everybody got the message that, okay, stuff happens and this is horrible, but this is a company that cares. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think... I, I'm encouraged right now because some of my clients are really starting to bring in legal counsel that's a little more creative about this, that's a little more compassionate. <laughs> um, and I think they're starting to train lawyers differently, frankly, because the, this data backs it up that it's okay. It's okay to say you're sorry. It's okay to acknowledge that things haven't gone right. Um, and that actually might help your business long term instead of the wherever that urban legend started <laughs> that never say you're sorry because that means you're liable. Um, and maybe it's not an urban legend. I'm sure I'll get some emails from lawyers. <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, I think it's it's I'm very encouraged right now because I think people are really starting to realize like we don't need to put all this legalese in there. We don't need to act like we're robots. If we act more human, that actually benefits all of us. And people walk away feeling better about the experience. And so I, I am encouraged. I hope that trend continues and I hope people keep saying they're sorry or in your case, sorry uh, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. It's kind of our national word. It's we apologize for pretty much everything. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Not here in the States. No. And, and, you know, and that's part of the issue as well, which is, you know, the liability reason for people not saying they're sorry is only a small portion of it. People mm -hmm. just don't say they're sorry. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to, you know, admit culpability. They don't want to give the customer the upper hand because they're thinking in terms of competing with the customer sort of you know, subconsciously as opposed to helping the customer and aiding the customer. So I've definitely found, I'm sure you've seen this in your training, Sean, that, you know, there are, there's a lot of other reasons besides liability why, especially frontline reps don't say they're sorry. Well, you're right. And part of, and you're, Adam, I think you hit it on the head. It, it's kind of when we, when people go into it with an us, them, you know, mm -hmm. attitude and that, that sense of competing. And yet, if you've built a relationship, I mean, most of us have friends and most of us make mistakes. <laughs> and when we make mistakes, what's the first thing you say? I'm sorry, because you care about them. That's, that's the most important message. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's overlooked in not just business, but in life well, <laughs> as well. Absolutely. We could do a lot of work on this. <laughs> yes, I'm very familiar with the phrase, I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we still have work to do, don't we, Adam? <laughs> yes, we do. I, I know, I know. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to kind of switch gears a little bit because one of the things you mentioned in the book is, I mean, it's kind of, it's it's repeated, this idea that complacency, um, that's really what hinders us and it's the enemy. And I've seen this in so many organizations that I've worked with where they start with these big ideals and these big ideas. And then all of a sudden, six months later, it's back to status quo. It's back to all of those, um, you know, the ways things have always been done. And, it, and complacency really does set in. So what do you recommend to really keep complacency at bay in organizations? Well, I, I, you're right. It, it's a killer. And it's maybe the killer. Um, and I see it. I'd sort of on two levels. One is just what you described is that a company will, will go gung ho trying to trying to change their culture. But then three months, four months, five months, six months down, it it just peters out. But it's because mm -hmm. it takes work. Creating the benefits of of having a you know an outstanding customer experience culture, something where everybody's something everybody's proud of, the benefits are are just colossal. But it takes this relentless uh, drive, and it has to come from the very top. You can't ask the front lines to, uh, to, to be relentless if the CEO isn't driving it. We had a great, uh, great experience, and, and I only just found out, it was, this was a few years ago, and I only just found out a couple of weeks ago what the outcome was, which is awesome. Uh, an organization in the wireless business that, that we work, work with, they were the CEO decided that we're going to focus on customer experience and man, this guy was brilliant. Like he, he was like, he was just re relentless. The only word I can think of with all of the VPs, with all of the department heads, with, with everybody. And they, and he just beat this drum and beat this drum and beat this drum. And after now, what I just learned though, was after two years. So I knew that good things had happened and I knew that they'd made money, but I found out after two years that, that this organization for, uh, for, for three years since they began this had in the wireless industry, they had the lowest churn rates of any organization in North America. Uh, and wow. that's the direct, yeah, that's the direct relationship, but had he not done it. And there were times he was annoying the heck out of people, out of his staff <laughs> because he kept bringing it up. So it's a lot of work and it takes, it, it takes believing that customer experience hasn't you know has a payoff you have to believe that but the mm -hmm. but the other one is and i think the insidious one are organizations that that are doing well and then they're so convinced of how good they are that they stop trying to get better they stop improve the continual improvement and you know i believe that once you believe it is a journey that's sort of why we named it that way the, the book why i named the book the journey to wow is because as soon as you think you've arrived, you start your descent into mediocrity because everybody else around you is trying to get better. Especially today, it moves so fast. Yep, it is. I mean, you you can you can be uh, taken off the top rung so quickly today. Yeah, it's by very just true. One, one innovation, one change in experience. So, I mean, I think your message is, you know, more applicable now than it was ten years ago, mm -hmm. and it was applicable then. Yes. And just because you were great yesterday doesn't mean you're going to be great uh, today. You have to keep working at it. Yep. 
Yeah, we've all seen those stats. I can't remember the exact numbers about you know, like the number of companies that were like in the uh, in the Dow that aren't now, or the Fortune <laughs> 500 that aren't now from 50 years ago, right? Yeah, it's. I I like to say two guys in a laptop can take down any company. <laughs> so if you're not if you're not paying attention, they will. <laughs> One of the great uh, one, of, one of the great examples. It's kind of negative, and, and perhaps more so in uh, in Canada than the United States at the moment. Is is Sears? Um, I remember, like back like a thousand years ago, when when I was a kid, <laughs> my father uh, my father would only buy stuff from Sears. He'd buy his tools from Sears. He'd buy everything. My mother as well. And that's because you know if he bought a tool, you buy a tool at Sears back then. That, and you dropped it off a cliff or you drove over it with a tank or that they'd return it. They just say, yep, no questions asked. You get your new tool and everything's fixed. And because of that, there's this whole generation of people that were incredibly loyal to this company. And somewhere back sort of in the, I, I don't know if it was the late eighties or the early nineties that Sears changed this policy very quietly changed this policy. And I'm not saying that that caused the downfall because Sears is gone in Canada and it's struggling in the US. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it was a, a great indicator of how sort of the accountants got involved and, and started thinking about customers transactionally instead of thinking of customers as, you know, as people, as instead of focusing on that longer term loyalty thing. And really, that's fundamentally, that's what customer experience does is customer experience creates that bond, that connection, that loyalty. Uh, and a big part of what we all have to do is stop thinking quite so transactionally and start thinking more about the human beings uh, that are in front of us. That is a great example. And especially as, you know, somebody in Chicago, they were kind of the, they were an incredible Chicago story too for us. And so they employed so many people around here. And so it's been a heartbreaker to watch what's happened to that company. And I think you're, you're exactly right. It's about the customer experience. So, well, this was fantastic. And I'm so excited that your book is out journey to wow available everywhere, I assume. So everybody should go read that. And uh, thank you for being here with us. And can you share with people if they want to connect with you? What's the best way to reach out? Where can they find you online? Oh, uh, absolutely that uh, they can find me they could find me uh, on on Twitter, on, um, and that's, sorry, my computer's making all kinds of noise here, uh, which I thought I turned off, my bad, <laughs> but that people can reach no, me at, okay. uh, through, at Twitter, uh, just at Sean Belding or through LinkedIn, uh, anywhere. If you sort of Google my name, you can find it. That's great. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, and I'd love to get a chance to talk. I'd love to hear thoughts and ideas. Uh, I think just as you do, uh, from what uh, people say is what their experiences are uh, but this has been fantastic. Thanks so much. I, I love, I absolutely love the Crack the Code podcast, and it's so much fun to be part of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Well, I think it's really cool to pull apart this idea of what does it really mean to go on a journey with your customers and take them to this place where we can say, wow, in a positive way. And I, you know, I, I think it's really cool to think about those nuances about how can we be more human with our customers? How can we create more emotion with them in order to really deliver that wow experience and understand what it is so that, as he put it, <laughs> if you're a sharpshooter, you need a target in order to, uh, you know, 
achieve your goal. And that's true in anything. So I thought that was, I, yeah. And it's always fun to talk to Canadians. <laughs> Why is that, Jeannie? Because <laughs> they say sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I gotcha. You, you like the accent. I, get I it. do. It's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> uh, so yeah, one of the things I really like that Sean mentioned, and it's something I've been teaching, but I like that he actually has done some research around it, which is that idea of, you know, the wow, as he frames it, the wow part of the experience, and you know, I'd say the most emotionally resonant part of the experience is the part with humans. It's just how mm -hmm. we're wired. You know, I, you and I talk about it from the standpoint of evolutionary biology and neuroscience and all that kind of stuff. But I like that he actually researched and determined, you know, that it is very true that it, that is where the wow moments come from. Is if there is a human interaction, it's gonna be there more often yeah. than not. So, and I think that's. As always, you know, we harp on this a lot, but it's important to remember because there's so much talk. I mean, every article is about AI and, you know, tech and big data and all that. And we just cannot forget that human to human interaction still rules, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're looking at that idea of peak end and, you know, what is going to be the remembering experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is this the part where we actually come clean and tell everybody that you and I are just AI chatbots? <laughs> um, we wouldn't be very good AI chatbots if we did that. <laughs> good point. <laughs> so by definition, we wouldn't be AI chatbots if we admitted to being AI chatbots because an AI wow. chatbot would never admit to being so an AI chatbot. meta. Oh my gosh. Am I, am I blowing your mind now or what? I'm just saying. It, it's like an Escher painting. We're just going to keep going around and around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of going around and around, yes. maybe it's time to wrap up, Jeannie. Well, we, as always, so appreciate you humans hanging out with us humans and our human guests. <laughs> <laughs> Very great. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. If you haven't yet subscribed, please answer the robots and subscribe for us so you get newly released episodes and all sorts of our undying gratitude and love. Uh, Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and the great business content at csuitetv.com. We so appreciate you spending your time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation process and a lot more at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tepork, and you can learn more about me, my keynote speaking, our customer service training, and all of that good stuff at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.